welcome to Trading Having God podcast. This is show number 42 and it's great to have you join us. My name's John Warren and my very good mate Ashley Ralph's here. Welcome Ashley. JW, good to be here as always. Hey, budget day uh, today. And again, for those listeners listening, it's it's obviously been and gone, so you know what was in the budget. But Ash, what's your prediction? Mate, hopefully lots of support for our construction industry members and traders out there. Uh, we've seen some good growth over COVID uh, and we want to see that uh, support from the government continue. And well, let's build as many houses as we can. Look, that uh, that's great insight because, as we know, home builders actually it's actually done a really good job, particularly for residential construction. Mm. Still very, very strong. So for the tradies yeah. out there that uh, are working that space, that is that is good news. And of course, COVID and working from home has sort of created that bit of a spike too. A lot of people are spending more time at home, looking to to make changes in the home to to enjoy the, the experience and the, the surroundings a little bit more. So tradies have probably never been busier, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Mate. We see that with, you know, supplies running low and people trying to get everything to build their homes. And, and, and everything you see on social media nowadays is people trying to find good people. Yeah. So, the, you know, the market's really, really pumping at the moment. So hopefully that continues. But the other interesting thing, of course, is that uh, sort of post-COVID, there's lots of countries that are actually stimulating their local economies. So there is actually becoming a bit of a shortage in lots of areas now because global demands actually increased because um, people are sort of normalising, getting back to work and the demands literally in local economies is, is rising. So that's probably the only real hurdle we have to overcome, supply chain. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't mind owning a timber mill at the moment. I think we'd do a right out of it, John. Most certainly would. Actually, I noticed there's a few homes uh, being built locally that are knocked down in rebuilds and a lot of steel frames. So obviously, I, I imagine the steel frame builders are probably um, enjoying the the fact that timber's a bit scarce at the moment. It'll be interesting to see if that starts to change. We don't have a lot of it in Adelaide from a steel point of view. It's still lots of timber being used in the homes, but it'll be interesting to see whether this changes anything going forward. Yeah. Hey, Ash, we'll get into today's show, and uh, we've got a couple of guests on this show, which is very exciting again for us, and we've got Clint Hewish, who's the director and founder, and also Jack Clark, who's the associate director of Concept Electrical Estimators. Welcome, Clint and Jack. How are you, Hi, boys? Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. I know your time's precious, so we'll get straight into things this morning. Maybe to get things started, Clint, let's start with you. What's the, the Clint Hewish story that you're going to share with our listeners? The Clint Hewish story, well, I'm a qualified um, electrician, finished school in 1997. So actually, I, I didn't get my happy birthday card from any of you guys. Is that, that get caught up in that, in that, in that overseas um, export thing you were talking about before? Uh, or, no, we sent present? it via the Suez Canal and there was a bit of a hurdle there. I'm not sure if you heard, but it should right, be coming okay, through so anytime. They're still doing the 40 point turn to get my, my package out. Yeah, for my 40th birthday. Okay, it's good. that big, mate. That package is that big. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, so I finished in um in '97 when I um when I left school. My my dad said to me, uh, university or trade, and I chose trade. And he said, okay, well, plumbing, electrical, or carpentry. And um, I decided to become a stonemason. So I was a stonemason for three months, and then and then he pulled me aside and said, Clint, you really got to choose a, a trade that's essential, whether it be you know, one of the three that he mentioned and a, a mate of mine got me a job with, with a company called Martin Posser Electrical. Mar Marty's now the one of the directors of BMI. Um, unfortunately, that company went under due to a, a builder stitching him up. And then the project I was actually on got taken over by a, by another company and I stayed with that company for for 14 years. In 2007, mm -hmm. I, I ran um, their biggest 
project at the time. And from the back of that, um, management asked me if I wanted to try my hand at estimating. I stayed estimating there for another seven years. And then in 2014, I, um, I got offered an opportunity that I couldn't refuse. And as it turns out, it was too good to be true. And yeah, it was sort of deciding what I wanted to do from, from that last situation. And yeah, come up with, with the idea of, of the outsourcing to the, to the smaller contractors who can't facilitate to have their own full-time estimator. It's a terrific uh, idea, Mark, to concept less estimators, and we'll get deep into that as we go along. But uh, stonemason, interesting when your dad said you've got to get something that uh, might be needed later on and whatnot. I'll tell you what, mate, I don't know about Melbourne, but uh, Adelaide at the moment, if you're a stonemason, you'd have more work than uh, you could probably stick at. So it's a... Uh, it there's a lot of people time. dying, Ash. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Very true, mate, very true. So, hey, mate, thanks for uh, your insight. Jack, can you do the same thing, mate? Can we uh, yeah. hear your story? Yeah, so I'm obviously the same as Clint. I'm a qualified electrician. My starting into electrical, electrical was I started landscaping for a year and a half and then decided I didn't want to be on a shovel and pushing wheelbarrows around. So Not with those arms, Jack, as well. Yeah, your arms yeah. would really struggle but, with the shovel. But, yeah, but see, that's you're not an experienced landscaper. If you're digging with your arms, you're doing it wrong. You dig with your legs, and you, you drive from the hips. Okay. Um, okay. Right. So, so got out of that, started an apprenticeship with Wear Solutions, which is a non-EBA a mob in Melbourne. Pretty well, nearly did my whole apprenticeship there and moved to another company, Meridian, which were, funny enough, were one of Clint's first two clients. They had a few boys probably just further up on the chain in terms of like a project management sense and moving up in the company. So I think Clint maybe was looking at putting on a, an employee and spoke to, to the boss of Meridian Stewie about could we potentially tap into anyone in our network or in their little network. So they put my name forward and I am um, 100% grateful that Stewie had the foresight to give me that opportunity and so, so did Clint. So yeah, I jumped on first employee. I saw how good it could be from day one and I was just excited to learn estimating of Clint such a, a, at a younger age. But yeah, it's definitely been a pleasure to watch it grow and it take on. Uh, I think we offer a good service to a lot of the non-EBA sector. So yeah, it's just been an exciting journey so far for me. So Jack, uh, Clint, you're both, both Sparkies and, and obviously moved into estimating. How, how did those, for both of you, how did those opportunities come about to, to move from actually being on the tools of Sparkies to more focusing on estimating in the companies you're working for? Well, when I was at the, the large contractor, I... Uh, I ran a really sizable job for that uh, for that business, and the manager director of that company, who is one of the smartest self-made businessmen that I've, I've ever come across, obviously saw something something in me and, and tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Do you want to have a crack at this?" So I did, and, and as soon as I I got given that opportunity, I was I made sure I was the first there in the morning and the last to leave because I knew how much. Uh, of an opportunity it was of turning your your, your job into a career. So I, I did grab it with both hands. At, at the time, I learned off one of the best electrical estimators in, in the industry at the time. And, and along with that, uh, we implemented, I think at the time we were the first electrical contractor to implement Simpro as well. So I really, I really started grabbing into the Simpro mantra because before that we were really just using Excel spreadsheets. So with the technology, um, having the guys support me in the office and learning off the, an absolute jet of the industry who I think was been estimating for about 30 years. I just uh, decided that, that it was for me. I like structure and, and doing the same thing every single day. So estimating 
estimating something that I enjoy as opposed to the project management side of things, which is which is rare because we're a rare breed. So how did that lead to you starting Concept Electrical Estimators? Look, I was working in the, the larger projects companies. I worked for two two of the largest sort of tier one companies for, for 20 odd years. I think I was just starting to get a little bit, little bit burnt out and I wanted to do something for myself. So uh, I realised that there was a, a super lack of there's nowhere where you can learn to be an electrical estimator. You can go do the two-day NECA course, which gives you the basics. However, the basics isn't enough. I suppose, why did I do it? I, I sat with, with Jack's old boss, um, Stuart from Reading Concepts, to, to have a chat about how I can help him with his estimating. And I suppose when I did the first couple of tenders for him, uh, he was so appreciative of the work that I'd done and seeing how I could take that off his hands. He's got, he's got four kids under the age of 10 and also trying to run a business that had 20 staff and doing his estimating. So when I did the first couple for him, it was just a really good feeling that I could help him out. And I thought, well, maybe I could do this for, for a lot of other people. And, and yeah, I, I, just, I just get a lot of enjoyment out of helping guys who, who are struggling to get their estimating done through whether it's family or, or time or want to get a better golf handicap or just don't know what they're doing. It's, 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 it's really good helping out and seeing businesses grow. We've start we've, We've worked with some companies that it was it was one guy in, in a van and three years later he's he's off the tools, got a project manager and he's got twenty five staff. So it's really good seeing those those journeys as well and being, I suppose, integral into that. You're absolutely right, because you know, it takes a special person from a estimating point of view and you you've uh, you know got to have a really good eye for detail and, and capturing it all and, and Innovative Trades Club is all about the you know, the traders doing what they do well and letting others who do things well do it for them. So, you know, yeah. the concept of the stress is just, is just gold, mate. So, uh, no, it's perfect, mate, and, and a good story. Hey, Jack, what about if we've got guys out there that are thinking, hang on, this is for me because I can't stand doing it or I get it wrong all the time or I steer away from it. Well, yep. You know, from a process point of view, how does that work? And also, <clears> you know, is there any... I mean, do you guys just cover Victoria or do you cover, you know, wider space, you know, for the guys that are listening from other states? Yeah, so we're, we're 100% web-based and computer-based. We can price anywhere Australia-wide. We've even had a couple of New Zealand clients, obviously with the same regulations that we, we've aided and we've helped as well. But I, I think as, as a process base from the, from the very start that we, we price any size project. So we price any size project, big or small. We've recently completed projects, electrical packages, $20 million plus. Um, 22, also, Jack. It was 22. 22. 22. 22. There you go. I said 20. I said 20 plus. <laughs> but we we'll also do four ceiling fans and 10 down lights renovation for a, for a guy. So we, do, we don't knock back anything. We obviously give the best advice when we get the initial consult. But pretty much the, we'll get uh, an inquiry from, from, from a contractor. Hopefully we receive a full set of documentation from them. We'll book it into our little schedule. I will discuss our process with them engage and use their wholesaler, their switchboard guy, their security, their fire guy, whoever they have. All girl, all girl. All girl, all girl, sorry, yep. And we'll put that all in our little database. From there, we use we use GroundPlan, which is a, a, a cloud-based takeoff service. So we still do manual takeoffs in-house. It's just all on the computer. So this was this will track and save all of our, our projects in the, in the cloud. Pretty much from then, we then push all that all of those quantities into Simpro. So Clint touched on earlier, his experience in Simpro. So we use Simpro for all of our estimating. It is a project management software, but we've loaded the top 
5,000 items all with labour and material attributed to each item in there. So once we collate all of our data, we have an estimated data enter, we'll then uniquely tweak it to each project. So we might have a standard downlight Oh, standard height ceiling throughout the whole building at 2.4, but the lobbies are at 10 meters. So those lobby downlights will, will look at the architectural documentation, make sure we've accounted for enough labor, if it needs access higher, et cetera. So we look and, at and just And just on that, guys, what, what we think is unique and important on that particular idea is is 100% of our estimators here are all qualified electricians. Yes, because, yes. Oh, if you haven't installed this equipment, how do you know the variables? Yeah. So that's why, yeah. that's why we've... Obviously, our overheads and our wages are a lot more expensive, but but also I think we just think it's really, really important that people who price the work have actually installed the work because of variables such as ceiling heights and, and yes. pole yeah. footings and, and all these different the cable trays. A cable tray in a basement is a cable tray in a factory. In a factory that's got 10 meter ceilings, you need a scissor lift, two people. Um, the cable tray is going to take four four times as long as a standard basement. So sorry to chip in, Jack, but no, no, it's, it's all right. No, it's, 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 it's a key. It's, 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 it's absolutely mandatory. I, I think so. one, yeah, 100% lock, obviously one of our stick lock, one of our mandatories to our service is that we have a grade electricians, but we also have a secondary, which I was going to touch on. We have a secondary person always check our each person's Simpro. So we have like a pretty stringent QA process. So once we finish, we have two people look at it, obviously to encounter any data enter issues or just to give it a second opinion. Um, everyone has an idea of how to install things, but it's good to bounce ideas off each other and work out how, how this actually will get installed and how it'll go on, on site. And then um, once CIPRO is all completed, ticked off, we offer a tender letter. So a lot of guys won't have their own formal document to send to their client or builder, like some guys do it through email. So we can, we'll draft up a word uh, document just pretty much with all the inclusions, um, exclusions for our submission, but it's also very key for us to, with the documentation being so poor these days, to really clarify like assumptions in the drawings, anything that's conflicting, just have it all documented to cover to cover everyone's bases. Not um, written, not real, Jack. Not written, not real. That's yeah, that's definitely <laughs> one of our rules in here. It's yeah, documentation. Everyone says it's getting worse and worse, and it's the line everyone uses every week but it's true yeah so it's very clear for us and that we have to have everything outlined what we've gone off what drawings we've referenced what's what's wrong what we haven't included etc and then the final submission is so they can get their pricing we give them a, a real dumb test. um so we pull out all the raw material costs and the total labor hours out of our simpro and then any additional items such as lighting supply switchboard supply security supply we have it all in a straight up and down spreadsheet they just have to put in their markup percentage and their labor rate and it gives them a total price so they'll just grab that total price put it onto the tender letter that we've drafted for them and send it out to the client so we like to give them a professional solution and something that's we do the build easy. we do the build to 90 percent yeah and then they yeah. just got to finish it to the final 10 yeah and then post tender obviously we get a lot of queries that what happens if the builder asks a question? So we encourage them, any RFIs, questions, VM options, they send addendums, back to us. Addendums, yeah. Because we're the ones that have looked at it. We can answer it quickly. So they just shoot an email. We email it back to them and it looks like they're all over it. So something we definitely encourage as well. Excellent, Jack. And maybe this one for you, Clint. So thinking about estimating, you mentioned that you can do a two-day course and, and that sort of qualifies you to be an estimator. But I'm imagining uh, Walsh would have to learn a lot in that two days. There must be a lot of sparkies out there that might have done that two-day course that think they're now competent estimators and maybe the challenges that that comes in the marketplace. Uh, yeah, look, 
the 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 course is great for the basics. Um, it, when I when I did complete it, and it may have changed since then. I'm not sure. It, it was more based around you know, the domestic market, which is was generally a house. Which which with a house, there's um, not much. Well, there's a little bit of risk, but you, you don't have tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousand dollars contracts um, hanging over your head. So um, you can make small mistakes, and it's not going to it's not going to you know, you're not going to lose your house or lose your mortgage on it. So look. Outside of, of that, yeah, how you collate and how you put hours um, against a project, uh, I suppose, yeah, is, is all experience. And, and we train all of our SMAs in, in here, sort of in-house through my experience. We've got another senior SMA, Michael, who's, who's been SMA longer than me. So we've, we've built a system that enables you to do it. If you do do it yourself, which, which a lot of people have for a, a long amount of time, I suppose that the key things you've got to make sure that you do is you are clear in your submission with what you have included and what you haven't included. But before you start any works, you've got to get a contract. You've got to get a set of works to, to protect yourself against what you have priced. So that's that's something that I think is 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 paramount at the moment, especially with design and construct. And I'm talking about projects now which are, let's say, $100,000 plus. Design and construct is something that can really, really catch um, clients out at the moment, especially if you don't have professional indemnity, if you don't know how to interpret the drawings. Design and construct basically means variations are not existing anymore. So that's something that, that, you, that the, the, um, the contractors have got to be aware of at the moment is, I suppose, a changing way of, of quoting and a changing way of the market, which is getting a, a set of drawings that's 40%, you've got to complete the rest, but you take on the, the risk of the rest. So, yes. Yep. So, Clint, how much time would you suggest Sparkies or, or traders are spending on estimating in their business? How many hours a week would they be? doing this function if they're trying to do it by themselves? Oh, that's a tough question because that really depends on how much work in progress you need to have. So yeah. it depends on how many staff you've got, depends on how, how big you want to grow. But if you want to grow, have you got enough cash flow to grow? And as you grow, you're probably going to start getting hit with, with tensions. And then on top of that, you've got to buy more equipment, you've got to buy more vans. So how much time should they spend on it? You've got to service your clients. So whatever your base is, your standard base of clients who, who give you the amount of work, you've got to always be servicing the beast. So if you've got relationships, you've got to continue to facilitate those relationships. If you do want to estimate more means you want to grow, then you've got to make sure you've backed the right horse in the way of, let's say, a lot of contractors who go out their own or want to grow jump on estimate one. I suggest that if you jump on estimate one, you don't price 20 jobs to 20 builders. You choose, you choose four or five builders and then give them a high-level service, so give them four or five tenders each. So how much time I should spend it? It should certainly be, if there's 10 things in an electrical company, it should certainly, certainly be in the top three. But yeah, it, it all depends on, on where you want to take your business, John. It's, um... So that being said, obviously, it's a significant amount of time goes into estimating. And, and one of the things that uh, Innovative Trader Club has been talking about is simplifying the business part of business and, and really spending time on doing the things that you do well and doing, spending more time in that space. So if estimating does take up so much time and that could be maybe billable hours actually doing the work, what are some of the advantages uh, of outsourcing their estimating in this case to, to you guys, to Concept Electrical Estimators? Well, Jack, yeah, well like, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, we always, we always preach that it's an investment, like all estimating is an investment, whether it's your own time or, or it's an outsourcing cost. So we like to say, obviously, we're freelance, we're, we, we're charged by the hour, we don't, we don't have like a lock-in salary. They're probably best used to working on the business while they can 
use us essentially so they can get a, a, a professional's advice for a for a short 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 cost or short period while they work on their business so it's it's obviously largely around time and money that they'll, they'll save um doing it uh using us yeah we, we like to think like clint touched on earlier some guys use us so they can practice on their golf game or some guys use us so they can spend more time with their wife and kids a lot of guys even price their own stuff and will send to us as just a double checking or coverage for their own stuff. It's a classic yeah, case of they're time poor or they're rushing or yeah, they're not confident yeah. in their own ability or whether they've just got to, like I said, service a piece. Another thing that we do do, guys, that I want to make sure that we touch on before we leave is if we get the multi, if we get the same project off multiple contractors, then we actually divide the invoice by the amount of contractors we got because we see a lot of projects. Let's say there's five or six builders on a project these days, they'll all go out to 10 electrical contractors each and then they'll come to us. So often we'll get the same project mm. at tender stage. So it hasn't been awarded yet to a builder. Um, and a lot of our contractors might be familiar or, or might have contact with these builders. So if we get if we get the same project off five contractors and the bill comes to $2,000, we they all get a bill for $400 each. So they're still you know, oiling the wheel for their builders, but at the same time, they're not investing as much in estimating for you know, what what is just a tender at that stage. I think that's a massive, offer to your to your members mate, and uh, and to your customers and i think uh, you know i'm assuming that's what uh, keeps concept of its quest mate, is that the you know the head of the game your training of your new guys when they come in you know your service uh, jack just said you're happy to you know check a guy's estimating if he wants to send it in rather than just doing the whole thing for him yeah you know, are yeah. these the things that just keep you guys ahead of the field yeah um, not everything's a business transaction is what we're saying here cause... yeah well, and we're all tradies, so we, we enjoy just the, the banter and stuff as well with the tradies. Like we, we talk to them like they're like we're one of the same. So it's it's not like we're we're trying to sell ourselves or anything. We offer free advice all the time. Yeah, like we have like little labor negotiations that go through our network and things like that. So um, yeah, not definitely not everything's a business um, negotiations exactly or transaction. So what are some of the challenges that you guys are seeing uh, with traders at the moment around their, their estimating? Or maybe just in general, what, what are some of the, the things that you're noticing? Well, design and construct, I think Clint can talk about design and construct for five hours, how, the problem, how problematic it is. Um, but yeah, it's definitely from our end, obviously we, we estimate and we like, we'd love everything to be 100% documented and have every detail. Um, but yeah, the documentation is, is, is extremely poor and it leaves holes in most jobs. That we're we're kind of filling the gaps, I suppose. And I think yeah, I think I think we're we're finding Jack is when I started estimating in two thousand and seven, we used to get well, we used to get a delivery or a fax of drawings, and um, do you remember those things, boys? You remember the faxes? <laughs> I, I don't. Faximile. Faximile. Yeah, I had to explain what a faximile was to Jack the other day because he'd never heard the word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we we used to get a full set of, of documents now. Now you're just you're just getting distributed with with ten thousand documents, and you've got to interpret what it is. So it, it's not only checking the elevations, check that there's LED strips in the joinery, or or if there's a PPR that isn't picked up in the in the drawing. So it's 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 not so much just the the actual estimation itself; it's all the post tender stuff. So it's it's the the fourteen you get addendums you get in the two weeks you've got to price it. It's then then you submit to the builder, and then the builder wants to get an advantage. So then you can start looking at cost savings. And then the engineer wants tender schedules and tender rates, and then they want cost savings for, say, alternative light fittings. So then you've got to submit them alternative light fittings as part of your tender package. So it's all that extra stuff that the builder wants off you mm. after you've submitted it, 
to then give them an advantage. And so I'm finding that it used to be 90% tendering and 10% post-tender. Now it's nearly 50-50. It's like it's a yeah. boomerang. It just keeps coming back. And it's also the, the one-day turnaround and two-day turnarounds that they expect. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what, it is an, obviously an advantage because we're, we're office-based and guys that outsource to us can just flick it to us because we're in the office. But these guys are on the tools. I've, I don't understand how they can get a lot of these things back. Yeah. It's interesting in that way you said, as people get busier and busier and busier, um, you can see uh, the guys out there missing more and more and more and passing in, in tenders or passing in quotes and missing stuff. And, of course, the builders don't care. They'll hold you to it when they go pull out the plans and, and see mm. if you miss something and say, no, no, sorry, <laughs> you've, still got to, uh, you've still got to install it, not my fault sort of thing. So I suppose in saying that, you know, what are, the, what are some of the, you know, the real key tips and tricks that you could pass on to the tradies out there that you know you guys think would be useful well i think we touched on it earlier i think just being very clear like if, if you don't have a tender letter get one like um in your submission you should be very very clear what drawings you've referenced what you've gone off what's in what's out of your quote i think just a lot of guys send very vague information to the to the client or to their builder and it just leaves just them open i suppose exposed, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so we even have generic exclusions just because of how bad the docks are getting that we will put in most jobs just in case, I don't know, there's buried in a generic specification. There's some line that the builder thinks has to go in this job and they try and get it out of our clients. Like we'll, we'll always maximise coverage for our particular clients. But I think that's something we see. Sometimes they'll send us their own submission that they've done ages ago and you're like, it's dangerous. You're playing with fire. You're just leaving yourself open to missing something or being held to something. And I suppose outside of the estimating side of things, Ash, I think probably a, a, a tip and trick, but not so much for the estimating, but more for, for if you're trying to grow your business is, is you've got to become pers- personal with, with anyone that you're chasing. Mm. There's no point in just, in just everything being via email. If, if, you're, if you've spent money with us or spent time with yourself sending it to, to clients, to, to new clients, go, go around and ask them for a copy. Make sure that they're going to give you the time to sit down with them because pricing gets to the talker table but relationship gets to the job every day of the week so let's say you get a it's an expression of interest or you get a tender from a new builder that you've never heard of ring them up and say hi guys or girls just ring it up about the tender you sent me and, and if, if they're going to give you the time of day then they're worth pursuing but you just want to make sure you're not you're not going you're not one of 60 where your time isn't appreciated so and like i said don't throw the net wide of the 2020 don't go that scattergun approach um and also in the way of tips and tricks to to survive once you're let your contractor is, is don't get caught in a Dutch auction. I know it's easier said than done, but um, yeah, don't let your pride get in the way of a good business decision. Don't, yeah, just just don't always go in too cheap and don't too much, win too much work too cheap because um, it will catch up with you and I've seen it, especially coming from my background, I've seen it. And that, um, yeah, you want, we want to make sure that our, our clients um, win work, but they also stay in business so they finish the work. Yeah, I mean, that point about being prepared to walk away, and that's, yeah. I think, some of the challenges a lot of sparkies and, and traders in general have. They they sort of live in hope that they still might be able to make some money out of it, but more times than not, that doesn't eventuate. It's like going to an auction where you want to win the house. And how many times have you gone over what your budget is because you just want to win it because you get caught up in the in, you're caught up in that in that time. It's the same with winning a job. You get caught up in the moment until... You've exhausted all your money and all your labour in the job, and but you've still got twenty percent of the job to complete. So, 
Hey, it's a great analogy, really, because auctions are really designed around that. The emotion of the, the purchase is actually driving the price up, and, and the logical brain is trying to justify it afterwards. But the, the damage has been done. You've already made the submission. <laughs> and the well, the last thing you want to do, John, is, is win a job or win a house and then, and then be anxious about it. Yeah, correct. Like when you win a job or win a house, you want to fist pump and go, yeah, I won it, not go, oh, God, what have I done? Hey, guys, there's been awesome tips and tricks uh, that you've shared this morning. I mean, DNC and clear the risk associated if you don't have a lot of experience there. And I imagine there'd still be a lot of tradies out there that, that are making some of those little errors only because of the, the lack of experience, and you guys would be able to help them with that. I think, too, those tenders you've talked about uh, back in the facts, the facsimile days, that uh, there was a large amount of documentation. That certainly shrunk, and, and the risk associated to that because – if you don't know what you're looking for and you end up winning the bid, there's a very good chance that you're going to be leaving things out that are going to be at your expense, not at the uh, the tender's expense, which is a real challenge. And networking, of course, Innovative Traders Club is a big part of that, um, Clint. that's Well, actually, that's... sorry, we actually do have a bit of a network thing coming up. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it to you boys just yet, but we're, we're seeking expressions of interest. We're going to get a panel together of industry experts from our network. I'm going to get a large construction CEO. We've got... Um, a trade-specific solicitor, we've got an electrical engineer, electrical inspector. We've got an electrical business coach. So, yeah, if anyone's out there is keen to come out, but listen, it's, it's going to be free. We're going to, it's going to be sponsored. So, yeah, my email is on, the, on our website. So, send me an email if you're interested in, in coming. You guys will be there, won't you? We'll you get up on the panel, <laughs> won't you, Ash? Oh, mate, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Try and stop me. <laughs> There'll be beers there. You don't have any beers until after the panel's finished, though, Ash. Yeah, good idea. Um, but a, a great opportunity to network. And, uh, and to your point earlier, again, Clint, it's about that. The networking will get you that extra seat at the table more times than not if you have a good relationship. So I don't think it can be underplayed. Hey, maybe just the final question and we will wrap up. Uh, maybe just take us through for those Sparkies out there that are currently doing their own estimating, but maybe want to outsource it. What's the process? What does that look like? Oh, so either either through email, which um, I'm assuming will be attached to this, um, or our website. So www.ceestimating.com.au will be a good point to look at. And that gives a bit of a spiel about what we do in our process and how we charge. We'll have a few testimonials on there as well. On a virtual platform. And we can also send back examples of what we do and that type of stuff. And then we, we, just, we just start talking individually from there. Excellent, boys. So cheers, Clint. Thank you, Jack. Ash, that's it. Show number 42 is done. So within the ute, the van, the site shed, the office, or maybe fumbling around with those takeoffs, we thank you for sharing your time with us today. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and speak with you soon.